we can approach them and say, do you want to get better? This is not just the skin. It's all connected, the mind and the skin. Well, good day. Um, that's Dr. Marlene Detock. Uh, Dr. Detock is a clinical professor of medicine at the University of Alberta, and she's a director of the University of Alberta's undergraduate medical education, and she's the medical director for a number of clinics. These clinics include an occupational and hand eczema clinic, a psychodermatology, and also vulvar dermatology. She's our guest today on JCMS Author Interviews, and I'm your host, Kirk Barber, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Cutaneous Medicine and Surgery, and I'm a clinical professor of medicine at the University of Calgary. The article we're going to discuss today with Dr. Detock is from our March-April JCMS edition, if you will, um, entitled uh, Pharmacological Interventions for Primary Psychodermologic Disorders, an Evidence Mapping and Appraisal of Randomized Controlled Trials. Dr. Detock and her colleagues um, run a specialized psychodermatologic clinic in at the University of Alberta and it's this experience that prompted the article and our podcast will help us understand better how to manage these patients. Well, hi Ronnie, thank you once again for for joining me. It's a it's wonderful to talk to you again because you you're working in a a part of dermatology that is so um, important but yet so poorly understood. And um, the article we're going to reference is going to look at Primary psychodermatologic disorders, and, and uh, your paper was excellent in setting aside those things that are considered primary psychodermatologic disorders, and you had five of them. I wonder if you could run through those five for us. So in terms of the psychodermatologic disorders, we have um, essentially three things that we're focusing on, and that's the primary psychiatric disorders like delusions of parasitosis and excoriation disorders, trichotillomania. Those are the main things that we see in our psych germ clinic. And then uh, we also have the secondary psychiatric disorders or the ones where because of their skin disease, such as, for example, atopic dermatitis, you know, then they also have these secondary anxiety or depression uh, disorders. And then thirdly is psychophysiologic, and that's when certain conditions like anxiety, depression, exacerbate their skin disease. So those are the three main things that we look at in our clinic. Okay, so you in this particular article, you break down, you know, five primary psychodermatologic disorders. So you, so you kind of defined primary psychodermatologic disorders, which I think is a nice way to put them together and for the thinking about forward to my next consultation letter to people, to, to call them that. But we, you talk about not just delusions of parasitosis, but compulsive hand washing, nail biting, skin picking, and trichotillomania. So those are the five you kind of pick out. So, And then you talk later in the article about dermatitis artifacta as being something else. And so I wondered what the difference is between the people that are skin picking and the people that uh, I might diagnose as, diagnose as dermatitis artifacta. Is there, is there anything to help me discern those two entities? So um, in, in our paper, we did rely on what the literature had said in terms of the definition of these two. But in practice, we do lump dermatitis artifacta and skin picking disorders in the same umbrella. Good, because I, I, I'm glad to hear you say that because I, I'm trying to put, you know, the, when I think back over my practice, those are the people when you walk in the room, you make the diagnosis. Literally, you, 
three steps in, you pretty much got it. And then you you um, have to sort out the why. Okay, so you you rule out the primary itchy bullous disease things pretty quickly, but you end up with with the person in front of you that has multiple excoriations, angular, and all the morphological clues that we that we get. And you know, at that point in time, I am so exasperated. I don't know what to do for these people. Um, they have, as you point out in the article, they seem to have little insight into their problem. And those that do, when you talk to them about it, um, I got about a 50-50 record of convincing them that it might be something if we fix their depression or their anxiety and get that attended to, that they might see improvement of their skin. But I really I really end up being stymied by these folks and they're they're struggling and they're in pain for you know mental pain and they're really uncomfortable how do you manage how do you manage that setting so you're right Kirk that at first we try to rule out organic causes and then we see that yes you know there's no primary lesion it's as you said more angular more in areas where they can reach in terms of um excoriations, and then they start to talk about things like uh, fibers or, or parasites or bugs that are in their skin and trying to dig them out. Um, that's for primary psychiatric um, disorders. And, and then what, what, what I do, I have the luxury of having a psych derm clinic. So then I, you know, listen to them. And then I tell them that, you know, we have this wonderful opportunity of, of looking at this um, holistically, you know, because you're not just a skin uh, type of person, you're actually, you know, a full person with everything that's happened for you in the past and in the present. And then, you know, your mind is always connected to your skin and your body as well. And I'd like to, you know, listen to you and treat you holistically. So then I'm able to um, book them in our psych term clinic. Now, Dr. Ku, John Ku, um, I was very fortunate to meet him at the last CDA. And he said that, you know, if you don't have a psych term clinic, just ask them to come back at the end of your clinic when you don't even have to pay for your staff to stay, just you and, and the patient, and you can go over it. And I do find that the key thing for these patients with primary psychiatric disorders is that you have to really spend the time to listen to them. So my new patients in the psych term clinic can be um, about 45 minutes to an hour long because in only um, listening to their um, past, all the things that are happening, and we trigger these um, responses by questions, uh, as in like, where were you born, your education, and so on, and then has there been any, you know, um, uh, stresses in your life, and that takes about an hour, you know, and then we find out about things like um, there's been, uh, for example, uh, different kinds of assaults and abuses in their lives, um, uh, different psychosocial stressors, and then after listening to them and and gaining um, their trust, then we can... uh, approach them and say, you know, um, do you want to get better? Um, Because again, this is not just the skin, you know, it's all connected, the mind and the skin. And and then 
they're open to uh, considering psychotropic medication and counseling psychotherapy and so on because they 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 feel i think they feel that 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 you've listened to them you know because they're always saying oh it's it's the skin it's the skin but then be, you know when you've listened to them all the different other facets of their life um, then they begin to think, oh, well, maybe she just really wants to help me and not just my skin, but all uh, other uh, components that can make my skin worse or uh, can alleviate the, my experience because of my skin. So th- that's that's how we, we enter into um, therapies. Wow. So I guess you can really understand why it's so poorly treated. By the dermatologist. I mean, there are, in the community, I can't imagine that there's anybody that would do that. It would be so infrequent. For the numbers of patients we see with this condition, I don't think people are spending an hour um, with, with their patients to, to, um, to elicit that kind of history. So, um, you, so you look for a special referral center, I guess, for people like yourself that might be helpful. But in the, in the context of of um, when you talk to Dr. Koo, I mean, was there any sense that you might accomplish this 45 or 60 minutes over four or five visits so that you could maybe stretch that sort of thing out or maybe start the psychotropic medicines at the same time as you're starting, you know, because they usually take, what, six weeks, three months to start making effect change. Is there a way that those of us in the community can approach this with with when we don't have your your resources. Yeah, so we were talking about this interdisciplinary model of psych term. However, as you said, most of us are general dermatologists, and I have general dermatology clinics as well. One of the things that I have done, and and we're working towards optimizing these site derm tools, screening tools, right, for depression, for anxiety, and so on. For example, there's the PHQ-9, which are, you know, the DSM-5 criteria for depression. There's a questionnaire there, and then they took it off. But you can actually just ask the first two questions, which is the PHQ-2, before you move on. So you can ask them, you know, have you been feeling down, depressed, Have you lost interest and pleasure in doing things? And if these two are positive, then you can move on. So what we're trying to do, Kirk, in in our research is to devise a psych derm uh, screening tool. So our very own, including um, DLQI type of questions. So right now, when I have a patient that I think has a psych derm problem, I'm pulling out my HAD scoring, which is the hospital anxiety and depression um, screening. I'm pulling out my PHQ, PHQ 2.9. I'm pulling out my DLQI. So uh, we're trying to consolidate, optimize, and see if we can come up with one that the general dermatologists, um, even psychiatrists and family physicians and so on can use so that I can tell them when I start feeling this, it's like, okay, can I um, leave you with these questionnaire first or questionnaires, which is what I'm doing right now, and then I'll come back to you. And then I end up seeing when those other patients and then I go back again and then I see, I look at their responses and then I go from there. If I think that and of course, you have to add things like, do you feel like um, you want to um, 
harm yourself? Have you, and if they say yes, then have you made plans? So this is in terms of suicidal ideation. And so, um, and then I, I have a sense of how urgent it is. And then whether I would, um, in, in other people's case, refer to a psychiatrist, right? Um, and, and then I have these questionnaires and, and I ask the, the, the patient as well if they would be willing to, because I, um, in this sense, I'm trying to um, sell the idea that, you know, somebody has to help them with all the, uh, the, the uh, psychosocial burden of their skin disease. Um, and then also, um, in addition to um, referring to a psychiatrist, a lot of psychiatrists actually work on the phone. So um, I've had um, a number of instances when our psychiatrist is actually on the phone, um, plus minus Zoom. So if you want to be involved, then you can still rebook the patient with the psychiatrist on the phone um, and then, um, you know, go after the the, the lengthy um, mental status exam and um, and psychiatric history. Mm, so if way. I get my my um, PH two done, because that's that's in essence the first line of questioning, right? Uh, do you feel sad? Have you lost yeah. interest in things? Uh, do you, is there any joy in your life? And you get negative response to those things. What do I do next? I mean, this this person has you know skin picking, dermatitis artifact. Uh, you know, we can. And I ask those questions. They're sad. Yeah, I've seen my. I've talked to my family doctor about it. I don't get any help there. Um, so, so do you? Is it direct to the psychiatrist at that point? If you if you don't want to manage the condition yourself, and I can't imagine that most of the dermatologists that'll be listening to us are going to want to manage that sort of patient themselves. They won't feel comfortable doing it. They don't have the skill set. Uh, aren't familiar with the medication. Are there are there tricks to that trade? I mean, are there, or is it just straight to the psychiatrist? So, um, what we do actually, as well, is um, number one is we try to examine the patients. You know, if they bring in a lot of these specimens, thinking that they are parasites, you know, we send them to the lab. We we you show them that we're trying our best, exhausting all means to. Okay you know, see what, what the, what's wrong with so their looking skin. So objective, looking at objective that's, that's stuff, I guess, part. is what you're saying. Sort of, sort of, yeah, sort of listen exam. and act, be active in an investigation, do a biopsy maybe, look at the things they bring in, mm-hmm. look at them under your microscope, um, sort of, okay, so, okay, so fair enough. So you're, you're trying to build trust, I gather, at that point. That's right, yeah. And then... Um, you know, if, if you're comfortable enough and then you've looked at the, the scores as well um, and you can explain what, you know, um, what those scores mean, you can ask them to clarify, you know, what do they mean by this and that. Then um, for me, it, 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 it's, it, it takes courage, but you can tell them, you know, I, I do think that you have this condition called delusion of parasitosis. And if you're comfortable then um, you can um, prescribe um, in these psychotropic medications. Usually they are the lower dose, go over the potential side effects. And then, um, I don't know if you have it, but I think it's Alberta-wide, for example, and I hope that in other provinces they have it as well. There's this Access 24-7, right? So Access 24-7 is by Alberta Health Services. And, and if patients can call, and they get matched up with a psychiatrist and a psychologist. 
it may be um, that there's a, a waiting time, but it's covered by, by the province. And so they are able to even look at Connect Care or electronic health record to see their history. So I also give the patients this um, um, phone number to call for access 24-7 so that they can get the help right away. Sometimes they want to go through their family doctors. I write to the family doctor, um, and some family doctor takes an interest in, in psychiatry, right? And there is a, a you know billing remuneration for that as well. Or I pick up the phone. Or if the patient would allow me, then I would refer to a psychiatrist directly and not through the family doctor. So I have we have these um, options in in Alberta. Well, that's a good strategy. So now I have something to do. Now tell me, tell me about so for dermatitis artifact as someone. So I separate out in in, in my sense the, those the, I, I find those people are all either depressed or lost joy or they're frustrated. And they, they tend to break down to those that think that there's a bug in their skin or some fibers or something coming out of their skin, and those that don't. Those that just look at, sit in front of you and have the, all these excoriations all over them in this pattern that we used to call neurotic excoriation. And they're not necessarily thinking they've got bugs, but they're, 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 they can't stop this sensation of their there's you know, there's something there, right? Or, 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 there's, or they just have this sensation that they have to attack their skin. Do you um, separate, does that make sense to you? That, do you see people, or do, has everybody got delusions of parasitosis that has these excoriations? There are DSM-5 criteria for delusion of parasitosis. With delusion of parasitosis, there's that fixed belief that there's fibers or for Morgulon's disease, which I think is a subset of the delusional disorder, but they think it's inanimate objects. So it's more like fibers, for example, coming out of their skin. Excoriation disorder also has its own uh, criteria. But if you're you're asking me like whether in a roundabout way, whether these uh, patients actually have some psychosocial stressors in their life that need to be dealt with, I would say 100% yes. And that I can glean from that from that one hour or forty five minutes. Can I glean uh, it in ten? And, and some of these stories. Can I glean it in <laughs> ten or five? I think that a lot of these, um, you know, life stories uh, take time. You can try, or you can rebook them. Yeah, you can uh, put the, you know, you can ask them to come back. Um, but I think that that's that's very key to gaining their trust and for you to have an in. Um, into what are the things that they may need in addition to psychotropic medication. I think that medications are just a bridge to really being able to handle the stresses in the life, things that have happened in the I past. I got a sense of reading your article, and now to focus back on your article, just to remind folks that it's open access. And the other thing about it is that the, the compilation of the entire article really is written into, the, into figure two. In Figure Two, it's a colored sort of diagram, which is which is really the essence of the of the article, and and very nicely done, I might add. When I first looked at, it, I thought, "Well, I'm not sure that looks confusing to me. I'm going to pass it by." And then and then I got it back, and I said, "Oh," and spend you know two minutes with it, and suddenly you understand it clearly, and you know the 
you broke it down, and I know this is uh, this is an audio thing, but you you broke it down into color. You color coded it, and there was red and green, and you ranked the seven drugs on one side that you're thinking about, and the five illnesses that you're talking about in the uh, over the over the top axis. But what I saw there was that the pharmacological interventions have not been all that successful. Or have not been studied well. The other point has not been studied well. So in your world, when, you, when you've got the trust of the patient, and are you starting them on medication pretty quickly? Or are you, are you using the psychological interventions um, first or in conjunction? Or is this all done through the Access 24-7 slash psychiatrist? What's your, what's your sense with the average patient that you see? Yeah, the short answer is uh, in conjunction. So I look at the psychotropic medication as a bridge uh, until they can get some sense uh, of, of what's going on in their lives in terms of psychosocial stressors. I also want to point out a little bit, uh, Kirk, that number one, thank you for always being supportive of our work. And this article, um, the superstars are Dr. Tarek Turk, who is our PhD candidate in psychodermatology, and Dr. Harry Liu, who's a UBC dermatology resident. And they did all this color coding, and it's really quite a bit of work for them. And what we've really realized is that there's not a heck of a lot of randomized controlled trials to support our use. I mean, if you look at the dilution of parasitosis, um, there's only one small randomized controlled trial in green here for pimocide. And pimocide has been there for a long time. And now we use other drugs that has less extrapyramidal symptoms, less side effects, right? Lepolanzapine, Respiridone, Ariprisol. So we just need more studies. Um, and of course, um, a lot of work goes into these uh, randomized controlled trials. So if you were going to start somebody on one of these drugs for delusions of parasitosis, say you, you're in a community, you don't have psychiatric access, you really don't have a psychologist that's interested in doing this, they're busy enough in the mental health world now, it's it's hard to get people seen um, with because mental health is such a, such a, in such a crisis right now. Do you use these drugs? Do you prescribe them yourself? So for our clinic, I have the luxury of having a psychiatrist, so I let him do it. But over time, uh, we've been doing this clinic for over uh, two years now. Then, you know, you try to be more and more comfortable such that if one day he doesn't show up, then I, I'm able to. Um, the nice thing is that you start with a lower dose. And the thing, too, is, you know, if, if you're comfortable with one and you keep on using it, then, you know, your, your confidence increases, right? And, you know, and I haven't gotten into trouble with this medication, blah, blah, blah. However, you know, there is a, there is, um, a reason why some or most dermatologists do not want to prescribe this because, you know, if something happens, right, whether it's a cardiac uh, side effect or um, a person commits a suicide and it's not really the medication or the patient uh, falls, and then is it the medication? Is it the fact that they're elderly? And so on and so forth. And so, you know, you, you, you wonder, oh, my gosh, what if something happens? And then the, somebody will ask me, well, doctor, how many patients do you have on this medication? And you'll say one or, or two at the most. Then, then, you know, you feel a little bit um, anxious about that. So I do uh, understand that 
a lot of times we defer to the family doctor or the psychiatrist to to prescribe these medications. And, and the family doctor may have zero patients on the drug. I mean, so they may have less experience than, than we do, just perhaps a little more comfortable. I, I liken it to asking a psychiatrist to manage a bullet disease in, or, or even psoriasis these days. I mean, the idea is how many psychiatrists would put people on methotrexate to manage their psoriasis if they can't get a hold of a dermatologist? I, would spe- I suspect there's probably none that would, that would be comfortable doing it. But in the in the dermatologists are really at, I think at the forefront of managing these uh, these primary psychodermatological diseases, and we could make a huge difference to these people if we became more comfortable with those drugs. So give me give me a first line drug with a dose that I would be comfortable starting the patient on for delusions of parasitosis, for example. For pollution or parasitosis, we also look at their profile. For example, if they're a little bit on the heavy side in terms of weight, um, they have metabolic syndrome, you think, um, something in their history with cardiovascular risks, then uh, something like um, olanzapine, for example, you would have to do some lipid profile um, depends on the medications that they're on as well. Um, you know, do they have any um, medications that can prolong QT intervals? And then you'd want to, um, you know, veer away from something, for example, like um, pimosides. There's idiosyncratic reactions of pimoside, for example. Um, like I had a patient with uh, neutropenia after being given uh, pimoside, and it's just one milligram. Um, so you can start very low. You can look at the, the the dosing and then just go to the very low end of things and then you can um, titrate up. Uh, you can uh, also ask for a baseline ECG uh, and a metabolic profile will in addition to things like your thyroid, you know, um, your vitamin B12 um, levels when you're dealing with somebody with depression, for example. You just want to rule out hypothyroidism, uh, for so example. So there's, there's some B12. complexities, which I suspect that, that most practicing dermatologists in the clinic aren't going to spend a lot of time unless they've had some kind of extra training or worked with someone who's comfortable um, with those drugs. Tell me, about, tell me about the antidepressants, the SSRIs. I mean, for the trichotillomanias and the compulsive hand washers and that sort of thing. Are there any, do you have a favorite? Do you have a drug that works, that, is more, that you're more comfortable using in that category of medication? So first of all, like a lot of our patients are already on antidepressants. And so I write to the family doctor, you know, reference the the article, uh, for example, fluoxetine or Prozac. If they're on something like sertraline and they have an excoriation disorder, then I write to the doctor about, you know, considering there, yes, there are reports of sertraline helping with excoriation disorders as well. But in terms of randomized controlled trial, then fluoxetine has the, you know, the studies behind it. One of the things that I, I really use quite a bit is N-acetylcysteine, which is NAC, right? And there is a randomized controlled trial of 66 patients, um, and it's placebo-controlled, and it's very good for excoriation or skin peaking disorders in that study. And in my hands, I find that it actually helps. And I say to the patient, this is 
natural in the sense that it's an amino acid that you buy in the health supplement stores. You know, you can go with something like uh, 300 milligrams a day to, sorry, 600 milligrams a day, which is 300 milligrams twice a day, up to a maximum of 3,000 milligrams. And some pharmacies would even bring that in as well um, if you don't want to go to a health supplement store. So that, if you can see the figure two in our in our, in our study, um, again, thanks to Tarek and Harry, Harry and Tarek, you can see that these are really uh, larger randomized controlled trials, not only for skin picking disorder or excoriation disease, but also for trichotillomania. Okay, so that's, that's a good clinical clue for us. So give me the primer. So N-acetylcysteine, health food store, um, maybe they, their pharmacist might be able to bring it in for them. Is there, a, is there a trade name that you can recall? Or does it go by NAC? Yeah, it just goes by okay. NAC or N-acetylcysteine. Um, so, okay. you know, in the RCT, it's even 1,200 to 3,000 milligrams per day. And it's uh, compared to placebo for 12 weeks. Okay. And so uh, you would start somebody on 300 milligrams twice a day and then increase to 600 twice a day? Yes. And then up to maximum of 2,000 milligrams a day. When you get into the higher doses, is there anything that the patient's going to experience? Are there any sort of side effects from, from this medication? So it's well tolerated in the study, and um, as far as our clinical experience, it's pretty good. I haven't had a problem yet with it, except for cost. Some people still find that, um, you know, it's the cost may be... Yes, and it's not likely to be covered by an insurance plan, I shouldn't think, eh? if it's, if it's that's right. yeah. you know, over-the-counter, mm-hmm. if you will. Okay, well, that's a, that's a good clue. And that's for, your, that's for people that you're thinking of, the, the skin pickers, the more obsessive-compulsive traits the hand washing, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. That's okay. Right. Yeah, and and no no GI side effects as far as I, I in my hands. Um, you know, like in any medications, there's always the potential yeah. for that, whether it is the drug or the. You, you you and I know there's there's only two kinds of medicines, right? Those that don't work and those that have side effects. So you know you, you you've got to expect something, right? And so that so that's great. So the obsessive stuff we can we can try N acetylcysteine for the delusional parasitosis. I get the sense that it's important to make the diagnosis. I like the access thing. That makes good sense to me. We could do that um, pretty quickly and get and get people help. And it does also show that people want to get help. That's the other part that is difficult for me is that most of the people after you spend 20 minutes, a half hour with them, if you've, you know, deemed to do so, they either love you or hate you at that point. And, um, and the idea is that they don't appear to have a lot of insight into their condition. And the tools, I think the questionnaires, the PHQ two and nine, the HAD scoring and the DLQY, even those three, when they answer this, you and then you go back to the room, you can see which ones they did positive. That's an in for you to focus. Yeah. And, and instead of like being all over the place, um, you know, and, and, and them having, um, you know, yep. it's to a, go on and on before yeah, you an get objective to thing. the psychosocial stress. Yeah, good. I mean, and it's like it's yeah. like a it's like a hair loss questionnaire or, you know, list of medications or something. Right. So so uh, it's soon it's soon to be a questionnaire done by chat GPT, I'm sure. 
and, and it will spit out the answer for you. But okay, so that so that's good. So I'll incorporate that into my practices. Is the questionnaire is a good focal point? It's like a it's a, a tool, not necessarily so much for the answer, but it gives you focus and direction. And just even asking the question, even if it's on a questionnaire, shows some empathy, um, some you know mm-hmm. understanding. And if they throw their questionnaire in your face and walk out the door, well, you tried. Right. Um, I think that's that's the yeah. good point. OK. Yeah. And, and knowing the DSM-5 criteria for delusion of parasitosis and excoriation disorder at the very least, that, so, that if you have that and and always, you know, it, always ask um, about their suicidal ideation, because then that will determine the urgency. OK. Ex- ex- pick up the phone. And, okay, I was just going to ask excoriation no. disorder. Now, is that dermatitis artifact and skin picking? Are they grouped into that? And the DSM five yes. um, calls them excoriation disorder. Excoriation disorder. Okay. Yeah. Are there any other categories in the DSM five? Um, delusions of paratitosis, excoriation uh, disorder. Are there any other illnesses of this primary psychodermatological category diseases that that are defined in DSM five? And so there's obsessive compulsive disorder, um, depression, anxiety, general anxiety disorder as well. Okay, that, but not related to skin. That's more a general. That that would be the primary psychiatric disorder you're talking about, right? That's okay, right. so it does, so that's the skin right. ones would yeah. be specific that excoriation disorder and and the delusions of parasitosis. That's okay. right, and and the, the reason I I have these other uh, criteria in my mind is because then. I can justify my referral to the psychiatrist better okay. if I have these things. So your referral letter is more accepted if you can define it beforehand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's right. And certainly that suicidal ideation and some people say homicidal ideation, harm to self or others. I, I, I do ask that when I pick out um, a psychiatric diagnosis because uh, some people need uh, more urgent help. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll um, speak to the suicidal ideation thing is really a lot more complex than just asking the question. And I really that there's a there's a Columbia rating scale, and they put a and they have a you know, like a video on their web page that is outstanding in helping you to understand ideation from somebody that's really um you know really intent on on uh, suicide so um, i highly recommend that to people to look at too um they do an exceptional job of sorting that all right well thanks very much um this was really enlightening i mean I, one question i have for you is i've always what do you call your clinic Oh, yes. So for our psych germ clinic, um, I call them skin health clinic. And I thought a lot about this because I didn't want my um, the the reception to be, um, you know, answering the phone saying, oh, you want to go to the psycho dermatology clinic. You want to be booked into the psycho dermatology clinic. So I, I made it skin health. Smart um, and even the tool. Very smart because I because yeah, I was I was going to make fun of the fact that yeah you you build all this trust and then you send someone to the psychodermatology clinic and I think oh that's yeah so skin health okay I'm going to send you to the skin health psychiatrist maybe that's so look at the terminology and phrasing and try and be more empathetic I think is what I'm learning. Um, in dealing from you and yeah, how to deal I with the, so. with patients uh, with with these um, primary psychodermologic disorders.
Yeah, and I try to focus on on you know the holistic approach to their skin health. So, and including the mind. And I thank you for that because I, in my speech, I got to put in holistic. I got to put in mind, body, skin, and try and use those words when it seems appropriate at the beginning. That's right. And then, and um, like in the CDA presentation um, that we did, I'm, I'm very thankful to to be invited. You know, I I learned more about these not only psychotherapy but mind body techniques that we can offer to our patients. Direct them to websites like Progressive Muscle Relaxation, things like music therapy. So there's a number of things um, that uh, we can recommend to patients as well. And then they can go to these registered music therapies, for example. Um, like they, it, there was a there was a um, randomized controlled trials and bigger tri- um, studies are still needed, right? But um, for example, there's this evidence that um, listening to you know Mozart is better than listening to Beethoven in terms of you know the the excoriation seen in atopic dermatitis and their DLQI. Um, so it's interesting and it's um, it's promising. So what about psychedelics? Is your psychiatrist flirted yeah. with that at all in your in dealing with these disorders? So um, in the history, some people do. Uh, we find that they do uh, use cannabinoids and and cannabis. So um, and and then he does um, make a point of of looking to see what kind it is, and uh, he he never says to stop it, right? Um, but of course, if it's it's something that's combined with other things or an enormous amount then uh, there are certain um, uh, centers that we can refer patients to. But are there people that use, are there any studies that use psychedelics, not cannabis, but um, other psychedelic agents? I've seen them in clinics now for PTSD, for example. Um, Has anybody used psychedelics as a therapeutic for these conditions? I think we're getting to things then that I'm, I'm not familiar with. Um, and that's a good question. Well, no um, one is. I just wondered if your psychiatrist had sort of stepped outside and said, well, gee, we should try this, right? Um, so not yet. We should. Uh, yeah, def- I'm going to ask. Okay, you. not yet. <laughs> well, we'll do that the next time. That'll be your next article. Okay. okay. Well, thanks, Marlene. <laughs> I really appreciate it. I learned a lot, as always. It's, uh, it's uh, Thank you for the work you do and for helping us to better mm-hmm. treat these people because it, we all can read the articles. It's more a matter of understanding trying to get some of the keywords, things to use, tricks of the trade, so it will help us be more as more empathetic to, towards our patients. Thank you. You know, as a general dermatologist, before I joined the university, I've had patients with um, delusions of parasitosis, excretion disorders, and, the, I, you know, I, it, it's actually um, stayed in my mind because I felt that I didn't do well with them. Yeah. I didn't really... I wasn't enough. I, I couldn't really help them um, the way that I should. And, and then now in the university, um, and these um, opportunities just came to me that, oh, you know, the head of psychiatry called me one day and said, you know, I have this uh, dermatology resident from Syria and he wants to do a PhD in psychiatry. And I'm sure he's just, you know, he just said, well, psych, derm, mm, together, psych, derm. And I said, sure, let's do it. And so all these things uh, just, you know, kind of came to me as if it were some divine <laughs> providence. And, and, and then I started to do more and more of it. 
and it just came from the fact I think that I, I don't think I did very well with these people, with these patients with delusional parasitosis and exploration disorders. And I may not still be doing the best right now, but I'm trying. Well, you were you were well chosen for the job. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks, Marlene. That was fascinating. That's it for this episode of JCMS Author Interviews Podcast. I hope you enjoyed your time with us. I'll remind you of some really nice articles that Dr. Detok and I reviewed involving empathy, and we did podcasts with her as well. So that's also well worth your time. If you're looking for more great CDA podcasts, be sure to check out Dermalogs, our resident podcast hosted by my colleague, Dr. Kerry Purdy. If you did enjoy your time with us, please give us a rating and it helps more people find these interviews. So until next time, I'm Kirk Barber. Thanks again for listening and uh, be good to each other.